0: Welcome to Something Positive for Positive People. I'm Courtney Brain. Something Positive for Positive People is a 501c3 nonprofit organization connecting people who are navigating herpes stigma to support resources such as therapy, community support groups, and also just information that supports them with navigating a diagnosis or disclosure. Today's guest is Laureen, not Laureen HD. I'm sorry if that's what you were expecting when you saw Laureen, but I promise you that this is still going to be a great episode. We did interview Laureen HD before. If you want, you can scroll through the episodes and go back to that title if you'd like to. But uh, Laureen, let us go ahead and um, I'll let you introduce yourself and then just start with how you found and connected to me.
1: Yeah, like you said, my name is Laureen. Um, It's very funny you mentioned Laureen HD because when I first was diagnosed, I was looking stuff up, and then I stopped because I was like, I don't have HSV. No, I don't. And then YouTube had suggested her, like, Laureen HD, and I'm like, she has my name, and I don't know anyone with my name, and she has herpes. And I'm like, I can't run from this anymore. And then I found a support group. Um, I'm not sure people – I've probably come across um, Life with Herpes, um, Alexandra Harbushka, and she kind of gave me a list of just different podcasts and things to listen to because I was all out of sorts. And I came across you. I followed you. I don't even think I I followed your personal page, not even your Instagram for the that. And I think we just—I think you put two and two together by everyone I follow, and that's kind of how we met.
0: Yeah, um, that happens all the time when people Google just like Courtney. I think that Instagram shows up first. I don't know why it's like way smaller. And I guess it's more fun because I post like random, (laughs) random humorous things that I find funny on there. But um, so you mentioned I don't have herpes. And then bam, Laureen herpes were both thrown into your face. So let's talk about that there. Like when were you diagnosed? How were you diagnosed? And uh, what led to this denial stage that you were in?
1: Um, well I got out of like a long term like years and years relationship I was living with my significant other and it was going very well I just wasn't in love anymore and I found myself single for the first time in what seemed like forever start dating um, till this day the person it does not says they'd never had herpes um, which I think' crap but... <laughs> In the long run, what had happened was I'm a bikini competitor, and I was having issues for like a week, but we do some water cuts, you know, with, you know, being a female, ph balance, sometimes you have issues. I was not thinking that I had herpes. I was like, there's no way I have it. It was totally off the table. Went to three doctors or three ERs. Um, they did nothing. Told me that I was fine, um, that it was an STD, but not what it was or how to treat it, not um, and I ended up the night of my show was when I ended up in the hospital from it. So I actually, during my first outbreak, I was actually on stage competing. Um, and I ended up with flu. Yep. Yeah, I ended up with flu like symptoms, like 104 fever. Um, and it's, it was wild. And then when I found out about it, I was like, I have a show in four weeks, so I don't have herpes. I can't focus on that stress. I got to keep going. And I was almost having PTSD symptoms leading into my second show. Because the week of is when I had my outbreak so I'm thinking the week of I was freaking out thinking it's going to happen again and then I thought after this show I need to start actually looking into it because I experienced PTSD and I'm, you know, I'm a trauma therapist and I'm like Ugh, okay this is not good and started doing some google searches and came across um, life with herpes and dove right into going to go into the retreat a couple weeks later because I was I went from I don't have it to what am I doing why am I stigmatizing this?
0: I need to figure it out. Yeah. Did you treat yourself at all? <laughs> treat yourself. We we have really, like, modified how that sentence comes out through, uh, through uh park, not Parks and Rec. Oh, Parks and Rec? Maybe it's Parks and Rec. I'll be mixing up the shows. The office, Parks and Rec, they're all the same to me. Um, but yeah, like, treat yourself. I mean, did you treat your symptoms? <laughs>
1: like i don't know if you know much antibiotics if i'm doxycycline and like flagyl all these crazy antibiotics and my pcp was like that's not it she is the one that said it was herpes and then she after like six days into my first outbreak so if anyone that's had it they have to like every minute feels like a year um i finally was given the valtrex or or the generic i'm not sure which one and i was on maybe a five-day regimen i got better but then she was kind of like, You don't really need to do anything, you know, if you have an outbreak. And I'm like, If I have an outbreak again, if I have an outbreak like this ever again, I am not treating it. I am literally just going to cry nonstop. So I treated it with Valtrex, but it wasn't for like a week later. And then I knew nothing about how to prevent it. I just knew I had it for life. And to me, it felt like a scarlet letter. And I am not someone who is overly sexual in my first place. So I'm like, Great, now I'm single. I'm not very open to begin with and now I have to disclose this but I'm not even educated on it. What am I disclosing? So it was treated um, but after it cleared up I had constantly thought I was having an outbreak again like for I'd say a good three or four months just because I wasn't educated and to be frank healthcare is not either.
0: Yeah. And you were given doxycycline which is for I believe gonorrhea if um, yeah. if, if memory were trying to that. treat
1: syphilis or chlamydia but i was negative for all of them so that was another thing i was yelling at the doctor i'm like i'm negative for all these what do i have and he's like if you stigmatizing. and the doctor said if you you know if you have sex with someone that wasn't tested like what do you expect
0: wow
1: um yeah don't worry the doctor is under uh, the medical board now so i've reported him multiple times yes. but uh Yes. So it you know, it, was, it was severe. I was like screaming and I was like, I don't care if I have 87 STDs and I just left an orgy. You're a doctor, you treat me. <laughs> and he was like, and the funny thing is, uh, my mom was with me. So my mom is just sitting there like, what is going on? My daughter's losing her mind. And she drove me because I couldn't drive. I was in so much pain. So she's the one that drove me and she just kind of stayed with me. And she doesn't know what's going on. I didn't either. But she just saw me, like, screaming and being very sex-positive to the doctor. Not even know what's going on, but it was... So that, that, I think, added to it, too. I was stigmatized before I was even diagnosed by some, like, young male doctor. who I couldn't see his face because of his mask, but I would have punched him in it if if I could have.
0: When you were diagnosed, you mentioned that you had been single. I don't know if you were saying that, like, you would have had herpes from your relationship or from dating uh, after your relationship ended?
1: I mean, since the person I was with after my relationship says they didn't have it, could I have had it before? Sure. I'm thinking that the person after my relationship gave it to me. I mentioned my relationship because I was in a relationship, I was comfortable, and I never had to think of these things. Like, it would have been, I know that if I had it, then he would have even accepted it. So, knowing that I left somebody that was a accepting person to all of a sudden I get herpes and now I'm off in the world, like, clueless, it was just, I kind of said that because it was such a flip of, like, March of 21, I left him, then May of 21, I got herpes.
0: <laughs> so, this is new, new. This a this is yeah, like, well, oh. Yeah, like, welcome to Single Life, here's your herpes, and I'm like, thank you. <laughs> Damn, okay. Yeah, this is new, new. So, once, and
1: then I was in denial for, like, two months, but once... I accepted it. I was like, I'm going in headfirst. Like, I am not going to push this down, like, be embarrassed of it, be ashamed, not educate myself, because that's not me. And I was acting very unlike me the first two months, pretending I didn't have it. I told one person, my cousin who's a nurse, that's it. I told my sister the one day, she thought I was crying to her. She thought I was dying. And she's like, oh, that's it? I don't really know what that is, but I thought you were dead. So I really stigmatized it. So... I went full throttle the other way to kind of make up for what I was doing in the first place, which wasn't good, which I know Alexandra always talks about. She calls it like the your phase where when you're first diagnosed, you're just like low for like, until you accept it, you're just like a cloud is over you.
0: Yeah. When you, you're, you're a trauma therapist. So you're diagnosed, you know what you're dealing with psychologically, uh, You said that you accepted it, and then you started to go in head first. What was that acceptance process for you?
1: Um, I would say when I started telling people, which now a lot of people in my life know, and probably after the podcast, everyone will know, which is totally fine. But the people that didn't know, like my best friend, I tell her everything, I told her at some point. I told my sister. It was right after my second show when I was like, okay, I need to deal with this. That was PTSD. I told my sister, who I'm, she's like my best friend. I told my best friend um, and a couple other close friends. And once, like, all my best friend said to me was, I don't know. And she works in the medical field, uh, she's anesthesia. But she's like, I don't know much about it, but I'm going to learn about it because we're going to get through this. And I remember, like, that exact message. And for some reason, that's when it clicked is like, I'm going to get through this. I'm not this is a cancer. So it it was really when I when I had other people in my life accept it and say, I don't know, I feel sad for you, because it's hard for you. But it doesn't change anything. It took for other people that I cared about to actually hit me. Like, because emotionally, I was I was damaged completely. And I'll be honest, till this day, it's definitely not 100%. It's doing really well. But it's Definitely not where it's still like the journey. I'm not completed it
0: yet. Yeah. And what you just spoke to is something that we touch on on something positive for positive people fairly often, which is this identity validation. When you started to disclose and share with people around you, they were able to validate Laureen, not Laureen who has herpes and is stigmatized and stigmatizing Mm -hmm. herself. Yeah. And I remember I met
1: someone who in one of the groups I was in and I was just talking about disclosing and what that looks like and the person said like um why do you even think about it? it's not even a part of you and I don't I remember I don't agree with that but I remember I'm also too far on the other side I'm not learning with herpes I'm just learning who also has it so this person had said don't even think about it. it's not even part of your identity which I didn't agree with but I also said I was also making it my identity there's a way to just be me that has it and through, like, re- learning how other people would, like, accept it is kind of how I found my place in accepting it, if that makes sense. But you're right. With validation, I did need people to, and I know I'm, I'm not, my love language is physical touch, but words of affirmation is huge for me. And I, I, I knew it would be important when my sister and my best friend accepted it, but it meant, like, the world because I just felt like I was living, like, like Hannah Montana, like I was just living this, like, secret life.
0: Uh, I can relate to that (laughs) Uh, because that's kind of what I did when I first started to find community and support that's where my awareness was. That's where my presence was. Even in physical proximity with people who have known me or that I've been through things with and had like real life connections with, I like myself more in these digital spaces around complete strangers who only knew that I had herpes, right? Don't get me wrong. I've made some very good connections and friendships throughout that. But once those two things became prevalent in my life of, I like myself more around people who are strangers that just know I have herpes and people who I've known for a long time, I had to do something. And that something sounds very similar to your process of going through the acceptance, which was just telling other people, telling people around Mm -hmm. you and giving them the opportunity to support you and validate your identity aside from association with herpes.
1: Mm -hmm. And I will say when I joined the one support group of the life with herpes, I met and shout out to my friend Kat who I met on there. She messaged me and said, hey, here's my number if you want to text me. And I, you know, it meant more than the people just saying, hi, nice to meet you, because, like, I felt uncomfortable. So they're, even though they were doing everything right, I wasn't ready yet. But she reached out, and I remember she video chatted me the next day, and she ended up living not far from me. And the one thing she said is, my goal is one day we can talk about other things than herpes. But I talked to her, like, every day for probably two or three months. I mean, we still talk a lot now, but... I I would connect more with her, and I I never met her. The first time I met her was when we went to the retreat. So it's funny. I had this connection, but I did. It's it's starting to blend. It was more people that didn't know me in my real life that I, like, wanted to talk to more. And now it's starting to blend a lot better, kind of like the exact journey you're saying. And it it is weird because I was on a family vacation. They made a joke about oral herpes, and I'm thinking, oh, my God, I just started accepting that I have it a week ago. This is way too soon for a joke. They didn't know. They were just making fun of someone with a pimple on their face. So I called this girl that I barely know, and we talked for an hour as I walked on the beach, and I'm like, that's so weird. My family, who I'm super close with, I'm hiding from to talk to someone that I've never met. And although I, I it, in my head it makes total sense now, it was very weird to like feel that in the moment because my family and I are like, attached at the hip. We're like, obsessed with each other, but I didn't want to talk to them, so it was very strange.
0: Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I appreciate the the openness about um your experience with the uh, community support group and then, you know, having that dialogue with a stranger essentially um after having the feelings that you had with your family. So, are we at a point now where your family does know? Um so my sister
1: knows and my my some of my cousins know. My mom, I told my mom, but she doesn't understand what it means, but I did tell her, like, over the phone the one day, I just called her, I wasn't even home, I was like, hey, I have uh, herpes, and she's like, oh, I don't really understand what that is, but okay, it's fine, so she never asked, um, and she still never asks, but uh, I told her, so people know, um, and I told, uh, I, I told more close friends before I told family, and I don't understand why, but All of my family knows, but some of them do. And I'm at the point where I don't feel like I need to disclose to them. If they find out or if they hear this podcast or if they overhear someone talking to me, I don't care. And it's not in a mean way. I just, I have so many other things in life that actually matter than a virus that majority of people have anyway.
0: Yeah. As a trauma therapist, has that been helpful to you navigating your diagnosis?
1: That's a good question. Um, Yes. Yes, in the long run, no initially. Initially, I know how the brain works. I know how the left side works versus the right side, how emotions are lodged, how trauma works. And I was very logical in it. So I kind of was beating myself up because what my clients were doing was getting through trauma, accepting things. I wasn't there yet. So at first I was like bullying myself and then I had to talk to myself. While I talked to clients like our brain is like anyone else's. It's going to start to process that neural pathway when it feels like it, not when you pressure it to. So once I start, once I really moved past go, then it helped. I was able to kind of understand like it was, it was able to empathize with clients when they feel lost or they feel confused or no one understands their trauma and no one understands why they avoid things or don't talk about things. It made me feel better, and in, in hindsight, I think more than helping my own healing process, I think it's going to help me as a therapist more because I went through it. I went through something very severe, and I think it builds a lot of empathy. Not that I didn't have it, but when you go through experiences, you really start to empathize. So I think it will help my work more as a therapist more than it helped my healing process, if that makes sense.
0: It does. It does. So what I I'm, I want to just kind of like repeat back a little bit of what I heard there. And that being that, yes, you know, objectively what you're experiencing, how you need to navigate it. But knowing that and trying to pressure it with the logical process doesn't make the process of feeling your emotions and processing the event uh, speed up, if you will. It's something that you just have to go through.
1: Yeah, correct. I mean, a big thing that I learn in trauma work and being um, certified in EMDR, or it's not certified; it's trained. There's so many steps of EMDR, and I don't want to say the incorrect incorrect step. Does someone hear? Because there are so many different layers to it. But it's called the first part is trained, not certified. Just to clarify. But it's it's feeling the emotions, and I always tell my clients, "You, you I, I feel sad, and I never felt sad. Well, you you have trauma, so you blocked it. Now you feel it." But I was feeling sad, and I was like, I don't want to feel this. I'm a therapist. Why can't I fix it, even though that's why I wasn't fixing it, because I wasn't letting myself feel the emotion. So that part helped. And once I felt the emotions and actually was able to sit with them, that's when I was able to start healing it. Like I said, I'm definitely not 100% healed, but I'm leaps and bounds from what I was then.
0: Okay. You're a bikini competitor, So obviously that comes off as being someone who is somehow, some way attractive physically. I didn't hear you in the beginning of your diagnosis express any concerns about how to tell someone else. Your visceral response was, I know that I need to heal from this. I need to work on me. So I want to know if there was anything that you feel that your attractiveness or working as, or being a bikini competitor may have contributed to where it wasn't necessarily a seeking of external validation through partnership or relationship or dating or sex that you needed to get from yourself for yourself. Um, I think
1: I'm understanding your question. I have a bunch of ways to probably answer it. So um, I have struggled a lot with dating since my diagnosis Um, I've I've been rejected a few times uh, pretty severely Uh, well pretty severely for someone who's diagnosed I don't think the person in any of the situations really was that severe Um, but for me it was so one of my closest friends is a male and he's a nurse and he was he drove me to some appointments and I've talked to him about it a lot and actually, it's, it's funny because I, on my birthday, which was recently, I turned 29. I'm having a midlife crisis too. Um, he had, I had told him, like, I even though I'm kind of taunt, like seeing somebody and it's going very well, I'm like, what if it doesn't work out and what if I have to tell people again? You know, I'd call, he's, he's a nurse, he's working nights. So at 2 a.m., I decided to call him when I'm like overthinking because I still was dealing with it. And he said, um, Laureen, he's like, I know like we're definitely just platonic friends, but he's like, you are very smart. You're attractive. You're in great shape. You're a good person. I'm sure rejection is not something you've dealt with before. And I would say probably not. I don't want to be conceited because I've definitely had a heartbreak. I've definitely been cheated on, screwed over the whole nine. But no, being rejected, it's not usually not just straight up rejected. Um, So, Realizing that I wanted validation from guys, which I've never wanted before, or wanting their acceptance of that was a weird concept to get around. Um, And when I broke up with my ex, I wasn't trying to date immediately um, or anything. I wasn't not. I just – it's not my top priority ever in life. So it was just weird because I just didn't know how to navigate that. Um, I don't – to be honest, I don't even know how to date anyway. I'm from a very small town. I meet people at the gym. And it kind of just, you go out to dinner, then you're dating. So, like, to actually go out date, like, right now I'm in D.C., how the heck do you date? Like, how do you meet people? There's so many people here. How do you meet them? Like, in my hometown, like, you meet them, you know their cousin, their mom, you used to go to school with their one friend. Like, so it's just dating in general is new to me, and now dating with herpes was new to me. So the whole thing is was, was scary. Um, I know that... I think I wanted people to, like, I wanted a guy to accept it first so I could. Um, Not that I would do that, but I know that's how I felt, and I knew that that was wrong. Um, But I did experience two rejections. One, I still talk to a person. We're actually still, I want to say good friends, but we still keep in contact. He's in the competing world, and we've never talked about what happened since, and I'm okay with that completely because I I have learned that, that he is not my interest. And the second person I haven't talked to since I disclosed because they said they were okay with it and then said, actually, um, it freaks me out. I need to worry about myself. I can't. I can't. uh, I've had health issues and I can't risk my health for you.
0: So. So, damn, that hurts. Uh, I, I, I resonate with that second to last one, except it didn't go into that much detail. It was just I don't want herpes after having already had sex and talked about it, and yeah, I, I know that that is probably one of the most challenging forms of rejection. Three of his
1: exes, he told me, had herpes, like oral herpes, and I was like, well, they're the same, and then I'm like, when's the last time you have been tested, like a blood test? Then I went into let's educate, and oh, I've never, I haven't gotten a blood test for like an STD in like a decade, and I'm like, bro, you got herpes, like I don't, I'm not trying to, like, lie, but you've got herpes, you have herpes, I don't know how to say it, you have HSV, like, one or two, and I don't know where you have it, but you've got it, and I tried to say that in a less, like, you know, because I can be kind of very snarky, but it's just, it was interesting how, you know, that response was very interesting, but in hindsight, that disclosure that went horrible, in my view, I reached out to a good friend of mine to kind of just cry and, like, I felt rejected by the person. I liked the person, so that was sucky. And then the HSV part. And I just told my friend on the phone. I said I was rejected, blah, blah, blah. And then I mentioned I have HSV. And um, did I didn't realize I was actually ended up disclosing to the person that I'm actually kind of dating now. So it's a weird roundabout way that it worked out. But I wouldn't say it happened for the best because I don't feel like we need to go through that to find somebody like... Even though I'm grateful it occurred, I don't think it was necessary, if that makes sense. Like, I didn't need to be crushed and felt like nothing to be open to share it to people. Like, that was not what had to happen.
0: In relation to rejection, you're a bikini competitor, Mm -hmm. and you have been on stage, eh, I don't know, how many times? How many times now?
1: Probably at least 12. All right, so... I've been competing since 2017. All
0: right, so have you always gotten first place? So how that's where I was kind of going with this. How is that rejection of putting all this time, energy, effort into your diet, your body, your nutrition, your exercise? How is it that this kind of rejection stings so differently than rejection of someone that you share your herpes status with and them not being okay with moving forward?
1: good questions (laughs) no they're good because they're not something i've thought about so logically the way I, i could think of it emotionally i'm trying to kind of grapple with what that is but logically okay someone could show up to stage with a better body someone could be competing longer than i have someone could know the judges someone so there's ways that like i can only control myself in that moment um, and I can rationalize it. and I, Well, I get upset about losses, especially at smaller shows. I'm like, well, I deserve the overall. Um, but, like, it's something that I can look at a picture and be like, oh, I feel like I was better. But it doesn't impact my self-worth. But it was the judges saying, just objectively, this person's body or posing or whatever was more on point. It doesn't take away from me. The herpes takes away from me. In Like in the way my brain views it. I know I see it moving around there because all of it is, I know all of this is wrong in what I'm saying. I'm just saying the way my brain digests it because the way you ask the question, I want to answer and say, well,
0: they're not, they're the same. You're so right. And I do agree with you, but that's not how I feel. (laughs) No, thank you. Uh, Because what my intention with that question was is to show that no one's immune to the emotions. Like I'm open about my herpes status and, you know, I just highlighted the experience that I had with someone who knew that I had herpes, who acknowledged before we had sex that I had herpes and then we had sex. And then after the fact, they weren't OK with it. So for me, I've set up this where well, I have I didn't I'm not going to say I intentionally did this, but I have this entire organization, social media presence, podcast that filters out people who aren't okay with me having herpes. And I'm very, very quick to disclose that this is my work. This is what I do. And I have herpes. And even people slipping through the cracks in that sense are still capable of bringing about that intensity of the feelings that have come along with rejection and I mean I have my own process to have to navigate that and you're a trauma therapist right and so you okay. are able to say this is the process this is what's going on but you still have your feelings and that that's where I was going with that I didn't mean to like put you on the spot or anything or, or put you on no, don't. No, no it's totally fine because
1: it's right because sometimes like logically we're like why does that bother me because that doesn't make sense if I'm doing this. but so that's like it shows you, like it shows in my trauma work, like how both sides of the brain, they don't talk. We can feel one way and we can understand the logic, but then our, our emotions are like, but screw that, I'm still hurt. So that's kind of, you know, how I was answering that. But no, I no, I appreciate the challenge. I like kind of, because like sometimes I feel like I know it all because I'm a therapist. And I know I don't, but I think I tell myself I do because I want to be done with my uh, herpes process. But I know I'm not. So, actually, like, this is... I hope this helps people, too, and educates them. But also, like, I
0: will be honest, it also is helping me. It really is. Aw, thank you. Uh, so, I want to go back to the gym thing, all right? And there's ways that I want to ask these questions, and it'll it'll shift as needed. Um, with 2022 being what it is, people are wearing masks, covering their face. You said you're used to meeting people at the gym. And, like, you'll start dating... <laughs> Kind of. Well,
1: yeah, in my hometown I am, but I don't I'm in, I've been in D C so I've been like which I usually live in Pennsylvania so I'm not really in my hometown anymore. Um now I don't meet people at the gym because now it's not small town, you meet everyone. Um so I
0: just want to let you know, like, I do go to gyms now where it's like all masks and like, I don't know anybody. Ah, OK. OK, because, well, I was well, shit, that kind of shatters the question now. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, Well, what's your process for disclosing, sharing your status with someone that you're interested in? When do you decide to um, initiate that conversation or has any conversation ever been initiated with you?
1: Um, no one's ever, ever had the conversation with me ever. Um, so that's why I felt like nobody had herpes because either people don't know, it's not talked about. Um, my process, uh, well, obviously the person I'm dating now, they were a friend and they knew, and they were so, I remember when I was rejected by the person and I called him to explain, and he was texting me later that night saying like, someone that doesn't accept you for you and judges you from something that's so common is ridiculous. And I'm like um excuse me I mentioned I had herpes but we don't bring it up again <laughs> like his openness to it was almost shocking to me that I was like hey still not even I don't even accept it myself so that process was different but mostly what I was doing and I still even though it didn't work out for two people um I think it was for the best is I say it earlier than later and I don't think everyone needs to know my someone said no one needs to know your story and I was like they don't but I, this isn't my story. This is if you're not on board with this, then you don't deserve my story. My story is not herpes. My story, I've got a long story. Like, i if you can't get past something small, then you don't need to know more about me. And some people view it as I'm too open. And to those people, they obviously are not someone I'm going to click with. So I always do it earlier. Not like day one. But, you know, if I'm talking, hanging out with someone, I let them know ahead of the time. Because I'd rather know
0: how they feel, then continue to open myself up, be vulnerable, get to know them. Yeah. Damn, that was good. Uh, if you, wait, this isn't your story and you disclose this early so that if they're not accepting of or okay with this, then they don't deserve your story. I want to really emphasize that and drive that home here because that is something that shows Sort of a disconnect from herpes and like it as what it is. It's not you. Herpes is a virus. And when you share that with someone, it's like, all right, hey, here's a little bit of understanding that this might be something that we end up having to address and it will affect our relationship to some extent. How are you with that? Oh, okay. You're okay with that? Come on in. Like, I'll let you know about all the fucking chaos that's going on inside of my world.
1: And um, one thing that made me think of, so at the herpes retreat I went to in the summer, Alexander's husband spoke. I will never forget what he said, because I brought up that I disclosed to someone that I didn't think was okay with it. He had to think about it. And all her husband said was, what's his FICO score? I'm sure he has stuff he doesn't like either. And I'm like, "Yo, yo, what is your FICO score, man? Come on, can we even buy a house one day? Or like, are you mad at the dormant virus?
0: inside of me is herpes your like most difficult thing that a partner has to deal with with you is that why that's what comes out first and then you let them in on everything else or is there is that like a gateway into the more intense stuff i think
1: herpes is more of a make or break for other people and it's not something I want to deal with if someone's like, eh, I don't know if I can accept that. Which, again, I'm make making fun of those people, but I'm not. Everyone has a right to choose. Then who's to say I wouldn't feel that way if I never got diagnosed? But um, it's not the most important thing, but it's It's kind of like if someone doesn't ever want to get married. It's just something you. I don't think is worth getting across, so I like to get that out of the way. Now, with me, I, I think I have more... Um, despite being a therapist I think I'm very closed off at times in relationships so I think that is more like I feel unsafe in situations I think that is more just the stuff I've dealt with I'm not like safety wise really just like um I guess I might have lacked positive reinforcement as a kid like nothing too crazy my parents are fine people it's just I think I need to feel secure I think that is more of an issue in a relationship than me having herpes I just think I want to know ahead like you know, the way I function and the way I need to be validated, that can be worked through. We can't work through my herpes. That's that shit's with me for life. So that's the way I view it. It's not the hardest. I just think it's something that I won't compromise on if someone's like, uh, I'll wait and see. Like, no, you won't. It's you won't wait and see. You go get tested, you probably have it. Like
0: you speak very well to this. Um I've made the mistake. Of and I'm acknowledging this now, of uh, I had someone who's actually a sex therapist go through therapy with one of the therapists that I work with in supporting people who are struggling with herpes stigma. And after having spoken to you at this point, I'm having a realization that that person's discomfort with wanting to work with other people who have herpes or be able to have this same conversation and speak to how therapy was helpful and supportive to them it speaks to no matter how much understanding you have objectively about the situation again you still need to feel the feelings and have your process because i couldn't understand how you're a sex therapist you've been through therapy why can't we Have this conversation over the podcast and speak to that experience and I felt a little bit upset by it because That is like the only thing that I have as far as fundraising tools to show people Hey, this is what your money your donations funding has the power to do and her testimony one-on-one to me was amazing and I was upset that I couldn't get that but like now having spoken to you and learned and understood that you know people have to have their healing process. I, I get it now, so thank you. No,
1: oh, I was happy to help.
0: Now, um, I feel like I don't know. Like I, I don't, I don't know where to take this now because you've so well articulated everything. Like, how's that podcast? Did you start that podcast yet?
1: Oh no, but I will say so. I. I'm a trauma therapist, I do EMDR, um, and I I think it has the, I I think it's the only way to really treat trauma, I think, not, I think, I know recidivism rates in EMDR versus, like, Prozac, any SSRI, or any other, like, complex trauma um, therapy, it's the lowest, um, but it's draining, I will say, I love what I do, I know it's going to have an expiration date on the way I'm doing it now, I've overworked myself, but I love it. I think I could do, I, I'm i pretty well versed in talking, obviously talk for a living, and I want to educate people. So I have, so my practice is called Seasons of Strength. So my podcast is going to be called whenever it comes to fruition, Seasons of Rambling. <laughs> because that's probably what's going to happen. And there's going to be, I don't really, I'm probably going to have, it's mostly going to be me educating, but I probably will have guests on. It's going to be like fun stuff, but a lot of it. the basis is going to be education. I haven't, Besides the name, I haven't done anything, but I really think podcast is what, like I like I told you when we first talked on the phone. I feel like I already know you because I listened to your voice a billion times, and then I listened to the other podcast, and then you are a guest on there. I was like, oh, like we're already friends, so it, it was just funny. So I think podcast is such a way to go. Um, I listen to them when I work out, when I'm going for a walk, like just in the morning. So. I think that's a good way to change, like to educate people that way in all different realms of it because people are under misunderstood in trauma. And I also think my new understanding of sexual health and the way it's stigmatized, not that I would do anything in like your realm because I wouldn't, but I think we stigmatize things we don't even realize. Um, and I think I learned, obviously, HSB the hard way, but there's so many things we stigmatize um, that I think that I could just be in a discussion um, to do because i i also think that the trauma work i do should be more common i don't like that i'm a specialty like it's just it's cool because people come to me because i'm a specialty but i don't think what i'm doing is that impressive that like i think everyone should function with therapy to heal at the neural pathways so i wish it was more common so i really like to educate with that and help people understand that the biggest thing is like how how does trauma occur if you're just watching it happen like I could watch a car accident happen and be traumatized by it it's just the way our brain wires and fires it together um and I think that would lower us saying like we're um pansies and babies in this society we're all soft I think if people understood trauma those words wouldn't be as common because we just don't understand them so that's kind of what I want to do with my podcast but you sent, you told me the app to download, I downloaded that, I got a name, and then I was like, whew, I'm done, (laughs) and I was like, well, when I touch facial pain, I'll ask like, for input, but I'm, I think it's a really cool way, like I said, the way you do it is, like, I would put on your podcast when I would shower, and I would just, like, listen to them, and, like, cry about my life and stuff, and it really was a healing process, because, like, you can, Live your life as you're listening to podcasts, and I think that that's like the way to go in what I want to do. On top of, I would never stop doing the trauma work. I just the magnitude I'm doing at now, I can't do it forever. Maybe another year or so, but it's going to hit an end day where I'm going to have to be doing something also on the side and reduce my in-person or the amount of sessions per week because it's
0: draining. Thank you for the compliments. I'm glad that you're taking the steps forward. Thanks for selling podcasts the way that you just did, too. Uh, sexual health is mental health. What is your response to that statement?
1: It is. 100%.
0: Right. I really think... I was um, about to say, damn, that's it? <laughs> no, it's, it's end of it. Yeah, that's my... Well, I feel like I'm super long-winded. So I'm like, yes,
1: fact. No, uh, I wouldn't have thought that a while ago. Just sexual health in the terms of STDs. I know that's what we're talking about, but just in general, having a positive sex life, having an understanding with your body, it is mental health. Because, like for example, I grew up Catholic. My mom, I I, till this day, even though I'm 29, if I say sex to her, she's like, as if like I'm 10. So I just think like we need to normalize sex in general. Like I had somebody tell me recently that they're. relationship is an open relationship and I was like oh cool and I feel like a year ago prior to me educating myself and learning I'd be like oh that's weird like why would they be okay with that I just think in general we it it shouldn't be taboo like what do they say politics and religion you shouldn't talk about like I think sexual health is something we should talk about I really do in terms of relationships and a big thing I see in my work is intimacy I see couples that great relationship. They haven't had sex in years and they don't know why because sexual health is we brush it over like it's nothing, but it messes with your happiness like on long term. Like I have probably a decent amount of my like, couples is like intimacy issues. And I think it's lack of sexual health and education that's out there.
0: What guidance or tips do you have for someone who feels like they should be over this by now? Because they know better, because of education, because of their upbringing. Um, what what would you say to someone who is like maybe in your shoes of having an overall understanding of you know how herpes stigma is, and they've got access to the education, but for some reason they just can't accept this. They can't move through this. Do you have any guidance for them? Um, go to
1: EMDR therapy. <laughs> I really think I'm in promoting my stuff. No, I'm. I, I joke, but I'm being serious. I think when so I do EMDR, and I just got off earlier today with a client who did about 10 years of talk therapy. I don't downgrade talk therapy whatsoever. A decent portion of what I do is talk therapy, but talk therapy only hits the one side of the brain. Unless you can hit the emotional side, like our deep insecurities that we hold and we don't know why, it's really hard to heal it. Um, I think educating talking to people researching is good but if you still can't come to terms with it i think there needs to be someone that's versed in the the trauma end of it and i think emdr is the best way to go i mean it's not the end all be all but just even understanding like there's this book i don't know if you've ever heard of it it's called the body keeps the score
0: yeah vessel ben oh i, I butchered the name but yes that person <laughs> I, was,
1: that guy, I was introduced to that book way before I was introduced to EMDR and that's when, when I was introduced to EMDR I was like oh yeah I'm getting trained in that like that's exactly what happens I think the understanding of our experiences really do impact us our body and brains don't forget our experiences that education is more important I think than anything I would obviously suggest doing a trauma based therapy, but honestly, understanding that our life experiences like there's a reason why if our dads didn't hug us enough that we crave physical affection. Like just understanding those things might help us understand why we can't accept a virus, like understanding the way the brain digests information.
0: Yeah, thank you. Um, You mentioned. Sort of vaguely And maybe I'm paraphrasing or projecting That you got something out of this podcast um, Out of Whether listening to it Or being a part of it And sharing your experience And I'd like to know what that is Or was
1: Well yeah no, And I said that I think from the first time we spoke Like I think this will also I think it will help others But I also selfishly I knew that it would help me Kind of sharing my story Um, I've never and you had said before I started can I use your name and I said yeah I have no issue with that because I I want to be open about it and I don't don't feel the need to broadcast it um, unless it ever comes up to that I don't care but I just I think I've never talked about it in depth to more than the person that I'm seeing Um, and it's it was a huge trauma part of my life and I think it's helpful to kind of own it and then see your growth from it and no, no, actually talking about it's helpful. And I remember the guy was like, well, what do you think? Do you think, do you mind if they use their name? Will people find out? And I just was like, I really don't care. So the fact that I was able to say that to myself, I was like, yeah, I told him I don't really care if he uses my name or whatever. He's like, are you sure? I'm like, I'm just going to go off my gut reaction. I don't care. So I know that that was growth, but I know I haven't gone as enough to like go on a podcast or anything. So it was very helpful. And also the questions you ask and, like tying in my bodybuilding stuff which I have not tied in is all an interesting thing that it's probably going to have my wheels turning for a while they like texting you later on (laughs) about because I've never heard some of those perspectives which is really which is really good so I'm stuck in my little egocentric world so it was cool to have the questions you asked because I yeah I'm trained in trauma and I have herpes but I've never looked at it some of the questions you've asked in that way so that was really awesome so I really appreciate that
0: oh yes keep stroking my ego no i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> I
1: keep going I keep going what else did i
0: do <laughs> all right um how can people find you if they want to connect with you
1: um i guess my instagram so it's uh, it's uh underscore underscore
0: l-a-u-r-e-e-e-n oh okay so two underscores three e's Laurie. yes got it there's
1: only two E's in my name but had to put three in it. I was just going to keep typing E's until they accepted it because then no one will screw it up with saying Lauren because we will have 87 E's and they're like, okay, it's definitely not Lauren.
0: They're like, yeah, it's Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. I appreciate you being here, sharing your experience. And I just admire your advocacy, allyship and willingness to, especially so soon after your diagnosis, being willing to come here and talk in depth and detail as you have and answering some of my hard questions. Um, so thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much. It was a
1: pleasure to
0: be on. All right. That concludes this episode of Something Positive for Positive People. Please like, rate, review, share, subscribe to this podcast. Notice that I switch uh, subscribe to and share. Normally I say subscribe and then share, but I decided to mix it up on you. You can visit www.spfpp.org today if you want to donate or learn more about something positive. Or if you want to connect with me for any media opportunities, funding, grants, funding grants. I'll say that twice because I am struggling. All these grant applications I'm filling out and like not hearing back for months at a time only to be told, yeah, we're sorry, but there were proposals that were better than yours. I'm like, all right, man, well, fuck it. So these things are helping me deal with rejection. How are you dealing with rejection? Are you someone who is obsessively consuming information around herpes or are you disclosing to people in hopes that they just kind of go away, which is actually a thing? It's kind of funny, but, you know, we, we, we have to look at some of these behaviors. And we got to look at where these are stemming from so that we can go through our own process of healing and being able to work through things. I advocate for people finding community, being able to identify your local and close friends and support systems that are already within your circle. As you go through and you find these people and get these things from them with them, then you're able to accelerate your own healing process. And just remember, you know, no no one's immune to the process of the healing that has to occur as you navigate your herpes diagnosis, as we go through and experience symptoms of stigma, if you will. So just, just continue to keep tracking along. And whenever it is that you feel like you might be stuck and you need something, you don't know what it is, please don't hesitate to reach out. Till next time, stay sex positive.